Turn in your copy of God's Word this morning to Luke 11, verse 5. That's Luke 11, uh, 5. I'm so excited to be kicking off this brand new series in the parables of Jesus. The next several weeks, we're going to look into the teachings of Jesus and this uh, tactic he employed called parables. Well, um, I remember back in the day when I was in college, uh, my mom had given me her car. And I didn't check the oil in it very much because I didn't know it leaked oil, actually used oil as bad as it did. So one day on a trip to Florida, my wife and I uh, went down there. Uh, on the way back, the car started knocking really bad. And of course, we get back, the engine's gone bad in it. And we didn't have the money to do, to do a brand new engine. It cost too much. So my dad said, I'm going to find a car for you. And I was really excited. And dad had a friend that did auctions and things like that. And so dad calls one morning and says, hey, son, guess what? I got a car for you. And I was, I was really pumped. He said, it's called a Pontiac Montana. I'm thinking, that sounds cool. It's a 1990 one. It's got leather seats, you know, leather interior. It's got, you know, just surround sound, uh, electronic uh, door on the side. I'm thinking electronic door. And he's explaining it. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so I quickly go, and this is around 2006. So the internet was just kicking off. I went and did Ask Jeeves. Anybody ever did Ask Jeeves? If you didn't, then you were not searching for answers during that time for things. And so I went and I asked Jeeves online. And when I did that, I asked for a picture of a Pontiac Montana and it came up and I was like, this can't be right. So I typed it again and again. And what it was... <laughs> My dad had bought me a minivan. Now you're thinking, well, yeah, but Kevin, that's great. Minivans are good for families. I, I was newly married. I was 26 years old. We didn't have a, a child. And I had a minivan. Not only that, I was a youth pastor at that point. So guess what? When I pull up to student ministry that night, the kids are all ragging me because I got a Pontiac Mon uh, Montana minivan. They're like, yo, Pastor Kevin, love your minivan, man. <laughs> now we all can ride in it. And so I got ragged. And, and um, the, the van was actually in excellent shape, um, had low mileage, and again, had all the features that you wanted. And my dad was very pragmatic. So my dad didn't care if it was a minivan. It had all the things that you needed. Engine was in good shape. But here's what I did. I didn't really trust my dad enough. So over the next year, without my dad knowing it, here's what I did. There was a guy I worked with, and I ended up selling that minivan to him. He paid me cash for it, and then I went and bought a cooler car, which I thought was cooler, and I go and I buy this car that I thought was cooler, and uh, ended up, that car was in really bad shape internally. So I ended up having to try to sell that car before it went bad, and the moral of the story is this. I should have just trusted my dad. I didn't like the Pontiac Montana, but dad did what was best for me. And the parable that we're going to look at today as we continue to look at the, the teachings of Jesus is this. We're going to look at Jesus sharing the same concept with us through, again, this tactic he used called parables. Now, realize that over one-third of Jesus' teachings were parables. There's over 30 recorded in the New Testament. And parables are not allegories. Uh, they're not where you look at every detail. There's one major point in a parable. Also, remember this. Dr. Elmer Towns from Liberty University said this about parables. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So as we look at this parable in Luke 11, it's an earthly story. Jesus is talking to people, and he wants to come down to their level. He wants them to kind of understand what's happening. He's not just teaching, you know, just uh, Old Testament scriptures. He wants them to find themselves in the story and then find out how to live out this teaching that he's sharing. And so as we look today at this parable in Luke 11, 
Uh, Luke was a doctor in the first century, and he actually went to the length of, re- of researching to find out all about the life of Jesus. He, he followed Jesus later on, and he was the only non-Jewish writer that we know of in the New Testament. And so in Luke 11, the first you know, five or six verses are all about prayer, right? So Jesus is speaking about the Lord's Prayer. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in, there you go, heaven, hallowed be thy like, you know, you know it. And so Jesus gives them this, this kind of this prayer, this model of prayer. But then after it, Jesus uses a parable to teach them further about prayer. And I want us to look at this in Luke chapter 11, uh, starting with verse 5. It says, then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and w- wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Let me say to y'all, I tell people all the time, say, do, do, people say, do I call you pastor? Do I call you doctor? I said, you can call me anything you want. Just don't call me late. You show up at my house from midnight at midnight, I'm going to tell you to call 911. And if you need bread, we're going to get in a fight because you better not show up to my house at midnight for bread. But here's the deal. You got to realize that was something serious is not to have uh, the, the bread in the house to host a guest, and you'll see what, what happens here. here. So he says, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. That was a huge no-no in the first century. For a friend to show up at your house, and you had nothing for them to eat, was terrible for them. So again, this weather guy shows up wanting bread. We wouldn't do this in, the, in uh, this day and time, but they did it in the first century. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family are all in bed. He's like, look, my children are asleep. Stop. You're going to wake them up. That's what his friend's saying to him. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, Jesus is saying like, you go to your friend's house, you're going to realize y'all ain't close enough friends because he is not waking the kids up and you ain't getting your bread for your friend. You are out of luck. But Jesus says, even though he won't do it for friendship's sake, watch this. He says, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your, I love this, shameless persistence. And so I tell you, and so then Jesus transitions to now, what do, what do we need to do from this, this scripture, from this teaching? What do we need to do? He says this, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, uh, the door will be open. He says, your fathers, you fathers. And he asked a question to the, to the fathers in the crowd. It's like, you fathers. He's getting their attention. And the question he asked, they're going to nod their head and say, that makes total sense. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And they're like, no, of course not, Jesus. That's ridiculous. Why would we do that? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? So Jesus is using this extreme exaggeration to get their attention. He says, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Now, the last part there, uh, giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, realize that the New Testament had not come about yet. So like, you know, Jesus had not died and hadn't been buried and hadn't resurrected. 
the Holy Spirit not been given. And most scholars, as they read this last part, it doesn't have the definite article of the in front of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the best translation for that is this, is spiritual things, divine things. How much more will your Father not give you the divine things, the spiritual things that you truly need and you're truly asking? So as we look at this uh, parable, and we're kind of breaking it down. Remember I told you there's one major point in these parables. Jesus had just got through teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and he uses a story to illustrate to them. And, he, and the story he uses, which he uses again later on in Luke, is about persistence. But not only persistence, because at the very end, he uses this, this kind of this contrast of a good father and a bad father. He says, if your children ask you, for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? They're like, no, Jesus, that's crazy. And then he says, yeah, and your heavenly father's the same way. So as we look at this scripture here, there's one major point I want us to break down that I want us to learn. I want us to know from this. And here it is. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. We can trust the goodness of God as we persistently pursue his will. Let me say that one more time. We can trust the goodness of God as we persistently pursue his will. Because that's what prayer is. The asking, the seeking, the knocking is pursuing the will of God. Prayer is pursuing the will of God. But in the middle of that, Jesus shows us that at the end of this parable, he speaks to the fathers in the room, he gets their attention, and he says, right, so can your children not trust you? Like, of course they can trust us. But many times when we pursue the will of God, can I be honest with you? It's hard to trust the goodness of God, that, that God really knows what he's doing, that Abba Father, our Heavenly Father, really has our best interest in mind. Remember the story of the Pontiac, Montana? That was tough for me because I'm like, really, Dad, do you know what you're doing? Like, you got me a minivan. Surely you're out of your mind. Surely you're just old and you're pragmatic and you don't know what a 26-year-old newlywed really needs. When in all actuality, when I sold that and bought the other car, I understood clearly that I didn't know what I needed. My father knew more for me than what I knew myself. I had been asking my dad for a car. I had been on his butt about it, right? You know how kids are. They won't stop. But I didn't trust. And so we must take the principle that we've got to continue to trust in the goodness of our Father as we're persistently pursuing His will. Now, here's some things as you look at pursuing God's will that, 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 that you've got to write down, that you've got to know when you're persistently seeking God's will and pursuing God's will. The first thing that you and I have to do is this, though. As you're asking God, as you're seeking God, as you're knocking, here's the first thing you have to do. Take inventory of your, of your motives, Take inventory of your motives. Look inside and see why do you want what you're asking for. I wanted a car because I wanted to be cool. My dad wanted to make sure that I had a good car that I was taken care of for. And I'm sure you've probably done the same thing. I love what James writes in James uh, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And he says this here. He says, yet you don't have what you want. Watch this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So number one, some of you aren't praying. You aren't really asking God for these things. You're not asking specifically for what you want. And then there's others of you, others of you saying, oh, Kevin, but you don't know me. I ask and I pray specifically. I know that God answers specific prayers. But watch this. 
This is for you group, uh, um, the group of you guys in here, your group, that says that, yeah, you do that. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it. Why wouldn't I get it? Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. See, when we're looking at pursuing God's will, many of us, can we just be honest? We're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking. Like we're praying and we're asking for it, but we're not getting it because God looks at our motives. He's examining our motives and God's saying, hey, you know what? You want this for your own pleasure and comfort. You don't want this for kingdom purposes. You don't want the spiritual things I want to give you. You don't want the divine things I want to give you. You want what you want for yourself, not for me and not for the kingdom. And so when you're praying, ask that, why do I really want this? Uh, You know, I see people all the time that say, hey, I want to go into ministry. And what they mean is this. They want to be on the platform. They want to preach. However, their motives aren't to serve. Their motives aren't to do whatever is necessary for the kingdom. It's to do whatever makes them feel good. It's whatever gives them comfort and pleasure. It's to be on a stage and tell other people what to do, yet they won't serve and they won't check their motives about serving. Why do you want to be on a stage? I can tell you this, those that won't, uh, won't clean toilets won't do a very good job when they get in front of people because they have the wrong motives. Let me go a step further with that. Myself, I have to check my motives. I pray for you all the time. I pray for this church and I pray for our community. But one of the things that I can fall into is what we call ecclesiastical porn. Let me explain that for a second. It's called church porn. What do you mean by church porn? It means this. We end up looking at pastors. This is for pastors. We end up looking at other churches and all the cool, sexy things they have. And I'm going to use that word in that term because it is the cool lights. All oh, they're on TV and they got this TV station. Or they, oh, man, you got to see their, you know, um, their church and the, the building they have. And we look at that. And you know what we want? We pray because we want to mimic what they have. We don't really want impact. We just want to be like that other church or that other pastor. And so I have to check my motives all the time. Why do I want to reach people for the kingdom to just to see our church grow so I can preach to more people? If that's the reason, let me just hang it up because that's the wrong motives. Or do I really want to reach people for the kingdom? And I always ask God to check my motives. Here's the second thing that you have to do. Whenever you're persistently pursuing God's will and you're praying and you're asking and, and you're seeking and you're knocking, here's what you have to do. Don't quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. Many of us quit way too early when we're praying for something or we're seeking something. We just give up right before we may end up finding our breakthrough. And let me encourage you this morning. I don't know who you're praying for. I don't know what opportunity you're seeking. I don't know what you're looking for. But don't quit too soon because what God has for you may just be around the corner. And it may take more years of prayer and more years of seeking God. There was a hero of the faith named George Mueller. And if you can look him up on Google, you can do that. You can get his books and get his diary. Remember, as a young believer, I read the the diaries of George Mueller. And in that diary, what was so interesting is, is that he wrote in there that he was praying for his three best friends for years. The first friend, it took five years for him to get saved. Every morning, praying for this friend, pleading the blood of Jesus, asking for his eyes to be open to the gospel. The next friend, it took about 15 years. And then the final friend, it took 60 years before that person came to know the Lord. It was at George Mueller's funeral that his friend finally gave his life to Christ. But George Mueller prayed faithfully for 60 years for that. Don't quit too soon. 
And here's the next thing you have to realize as you're persistently pursuing God's will, trust God for divine results. Like trust that your heavenly father's not gonna give you a scorpion, that your heavenly father's not gonna give you something that would hurt you, but he wants to give you the spiritual things for his kingdom and trust him for the results. Yeah, you're praying, but stop looking for God to answer your prayers in the way that you see it. Because if you're like me, you set it up. Oh God, if you'll just do this and you do it this way, and then, and then uh, step three, God, you can do this. And step four, if you'll just do this, and then it'll all work out perfectly. And we have it all laid out for God. And so as we're persistently pursuing the will of God, we get to remember to check our motives as we pray. Make sure we're not just praying for our own pleasure and comfort. And don't quit too soon, man. Don't give up too early for people that you're praying for. And then realize that as you're praying, you trust God to choose to give you what he sees fit. Trust God to give you the Pontiac Montana, right, in your life. It may not be exactly what you wanted, but I can tell you, when you look back, it was exactly what you needed in your life. Here's something that's so important today. As you're hearing this message and you're listening to it, I want you to realize that if you don't get this, if you don't really apply and live out the teaching of Jesus for this, here's what's going to happen to your life. And here's what I see all the time. Worry and fear are the opposite of living out this parable. What does that mean, Kevin? It means this. If you don't understand what Jesus is trying to get across, you're going to have worry and fear grip you all the time. You're going to be fearful about what the future holds. This whole COVID-19, you're going to worry and be fearful because you don't understand that your heavenly father is working in this and, and he, is, he is answering our prayers even in the middle of this. See, Eugene Peterson, uh, when, when he wrote the message version of the Bible, he said something in James, it was in, in, in uh, the, the first chapter of James. He said, many of you worry your prayers and you don't get your prayers answered. You worry your prayers. See, if you don't understand about how to trust God for divine results and how to check your motives and how to trust the goodness of God as you seek God's will, you're going to just worry all the time. Do you know that stress is the number one cause of sickness and disease? It's stress. Why do women live longer than men? Most women are less stressful, right? They're just, my wife is less stressed out than I am. Stress kills you. And the enemy of our souls knows that. And so if we don't trust God's goodness as we pursue his will through prayer and pursue his will through seeking him, here's what's going to happen. You'll be gripped with worry and you'll worry your prayers. Have you ever met somebody who just worries their prayers? Oh God, oh God, I'm just, and you're worrying. You're not praying in faith. You're praying in worry. You're praying in fear. You're not confidently approaching the throne room of God. Like you have, you have access to the throne of grace to come before our creator through Jesus Christ and petition him and ask him. And because you don't understand that your heavenly father will give you those good things that, that he said there, you worry your prayers. And that's my fear today is that many of us will listen to this message, will say, that's a good message, preacher. And then you'll go on continually not trusting the goodness of God as you're pursuing God's will for your life. Because when you trust the goodness of God, you don't worry and you're not fearful about everything that's going on. And you pray confidently when you pursue the will of God. And so here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do. We have to persistently pursue God. And so how do we do that? How do we persistently pursue God? Because some of you are people that you understand the power of pursuing God. 
There's others of you in here to, uh, this morning that are watching this, and you're saying, I don't understand what it means to pursue God. Like, I've started coming to church. I really like your church. But what does it mean to pursue God? Well, there's three thoughts that, that have really helped me in pursuing the will of God and pursuing the purposes of God. And the first one is this, seek God daily. Seek God daily. You know, Jesus said in Luke 11, uh, verse 9 and 10, he says, And so I tell you, keep on asking. That word means to continually do it. Don't stop. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on what? Seeking. And you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks does what? Finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Learn to seek God daily. See, that there's a difference between a, a Christian who just, um, you know, operates and lives and one who actually seeks God. A follower of Jesus who seeks God is leaned into the relationship with their heavenly father. They're leaned into it. They're pursuing the father. They're pursuing the father in prayer and in daily worship. They're pursuing the father in reading scripture. There's a difference to them to say this between a church that prays and a praying church. There's a difference between a believer that prays and a praying believer. A church that prays sees prayer as something you have to do because you're a church. A praying church is totally different. It's a church that seeks God in everything that it does. It puts, it puts dependence upon the Father first and foremost. Can I tell you at Thrive what we have here? We have a praying church, and I'm thankful for our prayer team who's always seeking God, who's always praying for us to be leaned in. And so if you understand how to pursue God, seek God daily. Man, open the scriptures, be leaned in, and when you pray, Actually find a place to get along with God and pray and pray for your loved ones and pray for this community and pray for revival and pray for your church and keep on doing it. Seek God. Here's the second thing that we have to do. How do we persistently pursue God? Learn to serve without agendas. Learn to serve without agendas. And here's what that means. As we said before, checking your motives. Here's what... what Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 11, he says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And they're like, no, Jesus, of course not. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Can I just say this? Serve with a pure heart. Serve with a pure heart. Don't, don't like have agendas for God. Don't have agendas for what you do. Like many people, when they serve God, they have something attached to it. I'll serve you if you do this. I'll serve you in this capacity. I will serve you if I get to do this. And what that does is it creates a selfish believer. Remember what we read earlier in James? If you don't have motives that are purely after the heart of God and to do what God wants you to do, to do what God's called you to do, here's what happens. Not only would you get out of your lane and out of the grace God has given you, you'll find out that you won't find the doors open that you're actually praying for because of your motives. There are people who say, you know what? If I can't get a solo, I'm not singing. If I can't, if I can't preach, I'm not serving. If I can't do this, then I'm not, then I'll take my toys and I'll go home. If I can't be in charge of this, and we serve with unpure agendas. 
And what I've seen about the people who God uses, that he gives these good spiritual things and he's opening doors for, they are people who say, God, you know what? I will serve you no matter what you call me to do because I'm here to serve you. I'm not serving people. I'm serving you. And so many times we have these motives, these agendas in our life, and so we don't see the doors open that God's actually trying to open for us. So learn to serve without agendas in your life. Learn in your life to say, you know what, God, check my motives and let me trust you that you're going to open the right doors in my life. Let me trust you that the lane that you've given me is the lane that you've called me to, and I've got to be okay with that. Matter of fact, um, about a year and a half ago, I was approached about leading a coaching network, and so I was really excited about it. I was happy. I, I get a chance to kind of be a front guy. I get a chance to teach pastors. I, I get a chance to do this, you know, on the side. And I was excited. However, about two months later, the gentleman come to me, my person who's my overseer and direct report, and he says, well, we've changed plans. We've got somebody else who's going to do the coaching. But will you set it all up and be the behind-the-scenes guy? Will you kind of be the guy who does all the hard work? Can I just put it that way? And the other guy gets to come in and just, you know, you know blow and go for for eight hours and gets paid for it and you know will you be willing to do that and at first can I tell you I was really really upset I was upset because I've like kind of the elder brother I've served all this time the whole selfish mentality and I felt the Lord speak this to my heart whenever John the Baptist was approached about his lane People came to John and said, you know what, John the Baptist, do you see that Jesus has now got more followers? Do you see that your followers are now leaving and going to Jesus? And I love John's response. And here's what the Lord said to my heart. He said, a man can have nothing unless heaven give it to him. I felt the Lord say to me, Kevin, I just felt it in my heart, didn't hear a voice. This is the lane I've given you. Do you really have a pure heart to serve or do you just want a platform? Learn to serve without agendas. Learn to serve if the never is a stage. Let me ask this question to you. Are you willing to serve God in obscurity? Are you willing to serve God if you don't get what you want? And you will find out where your motives really are at in your life. Here's the final point this morning. How do we persistently pursue God? How do we do that? See God's goodness in a world consumed with bad news. See God's goodness in a world consumed with bad news. Some of you are so consumed with negativity. You're so consumed about what you don't have. You're so consumed about what you, you want, but you've not gotten yet. You're so consumed about the thing that went wrong this week. You're not looking at the things that are right. You're not looking at the good things that are happening. And can I tell you, we've got to see God's goodness in a world consumed with bad news. Luke eleven thirteen says this, Jesus finished out, his teaching with this he says so if you sinful peoples that's what we are like you know we're to pray we're sinful know how to give good gifts to your children i love this how much more paul how much more if you love to give good gifts to your children all of you who are watching i love this how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask them how much more will your heavenly father give you the divine things that you need in your life how much more is your heavenly father waiting to give you good spiritual gifts and answer your spiritual prayers how much more think about it 
When you see that those things on, on social media that people share and somebody did something good for somebody else, like you've seen the sacrificial things and you're like, oh, that's so sweet and you share it and you actually well up some tears because of the sacrifice that was done. When you look at that, I want you to start looking at those things and then, then thinking, how much more does my heavenly father want to do things for me that are even better than that? How much more does my heavenly father want my loved ones to be saved more than I even want them to be saved? How much more does my good God want me to be healed more than I want to be healed? How much more does my heavenly father want me to be filled with joy more than I want the joy itself? How much more? As we look at this parable of this persistent friend who shows up, and I love Jesus says they have shameless persistence. Let us pursue our Heavenly Father the same way. Pursuing and knocking and saying, God, I need the bread. I need it. But then trusting God to be good as He always is to us. Trusting Him for the divine results. And I want you to be encouraged. Right now, we're in a season of a world of bad news. You're seeing death tolls. You're hearing about job losses. Maybe you've experienced the unemployment, job cutbacks. Can you just pause for a second in your life as you're pursuing the will of God and say, but how much God help me see the good things that you're doing and the goodness that you are to me. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I ask right now for all of us in here that we, God, would sense your goodness, that we would trust in your goodness as we pursue you, as we seek you daily. As we lay down our agendas, as we come after you, God, we pray today that you would help us to see your goodness and to pursue you. And I ask, God, we would have that same trust that Jesus talked about in this parable. I ask, Father, that you would show up in a way that we only know it's you in every situation that each one of these people are praying for today. And I pray they would experience your goodness in Jesus' name. Now, get ready for next steps. Thank you for joining us today. What a powerful message. And today, as you are watching our service, maybe you made the decision to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. Here's what you need to do. Go to nextsteps.me and let us know that you made the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. And listen to this. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that old things have passed away and all things have become new. When you made that decision, that's what has taken place. You're literally a new person. And today, if you've joined us and it's your first time with us, we are so thankful to have you with us. Your next step is to go to nextsteps.me and let us know that you're a part of the service. We have a free gift that we want to send to you. And guys, you know what? I would love to take this time to pray with you right now. So please join me. Our Father God in heaven, I thank you for this time of an amazing service that we had. I ask you, God, for every single person that's watching at this very moment in time, that you bless them, give them more of your peace, give them more of your hope, give them every single thing that you know they need. And I thank you, God, because I know you're going to do that. I pray it in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. And guys, join us next week.
for our service. We cannot wait to see you.